Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. We are Kim, Marcy, and Katie. We are three women on one mission. We are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence, build strength, and ditch feelings of unworthiness. So grab your chair, come sit at our table, and let's talk. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. Katie Crocus here. I will be your host alongside Kim Schlag and Marcy Nevin. Ladies, good morning. How are you? Hey, Katie. Doing well, ladies. I'm doing well. Things are good in in Madison, Wisconsin today. Anything exciting in in your neck of the woods, Kim? I am easing. Well, I'm not easing in. (laughs) I've been thrown into the deep end of uh, you know, managing two puppies, not two puppies, one dog and one puppy. And I'm working really hard this morning on, I don't remember where I read this, but it's nothing news, but it's just, it's fitting in my life right now. The idea of stop saying you've had a bad day. You've had a bad few minutes. And that's really, <laughs> I keep trying to remind <laughs> myself of that because like it, it gets rough. Like I feel yeah. out of control a lot because there's just a lot of chaos and I've gotten my life, like my youngest child is 16, right? I've gotten my life. So there's not a ton of chaos. I don't have, like when you have little kids, you're used to the chaos, right? Katie, like you're just used to it. You know, it's chaos. You know how to function mm-hmm. in the chaos. Like mm-hmm. I lived in chaos for many years because that's how it is with children. But I've gotten to the point where I'm not, I don't have a ton of chaos in my life. Mm-hmm. And right now with these two dogs, it's just constant chaos. Like, oh, yeah, he was doing great, but now he pooped on the floor or like we're outside taking a walk and everybody's twisted around me. And then one's trying to eat the other's poop or it's just it just feels like everything's fine and then it's chaos and it's lots yes. of these little moments of chaos that like build up and then I'm feeling like frazzled and mm-hmm. I just want to be like I've had a terrible day and earlier this morning I had to check myself I'm like I haven't had a terrible morning like I got up I did my normal morning routine and I had a nice breakfast and we went mm-hmm. out for this pleasant walk there were a lot of I got some work done right Mm-hmm. but I just kept thinking, oh, this is a terrible day because the dog pooped in the house in the corner and I was ticked about it. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's where I'm at. I'm really trying. I think a lot of people could use that reminder. Like you haven't had a bad day. Likely you've had a bad few minutes. That's fantastic. Okay. I think every single person listening can, is probably like nodding along with all yeah. of that, Kim. Yeah. Mars, how are you? What's going on? I'm, I'm pretty good. Nothing too, nothing too exciting to report. I don't have any mm-hmm. dogs. Well, I do have a dog to take care of, but <laughs> she's like past that. the chaos. He's past the chaos stage. You know, I I've got to admit. So Wesley's now 13, which just breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, he is still so vibrant and energetic. You would never know that he is getting older, except when I go to the groomer or the vet, they're like, He's getting old, isn't he? And I'm like, mm-hmm. you no, he's not. Have to say that. <laughs> Why do they say that? But, but no, like I, I wouldn't be able to tell. Um, mm-hmm. so I got Wesley when I was with my now ex-husband. We had moved in together. I was 24, I think no, 25. And we had just moved in together. We got him. And I was working as a trainer at the time. And a week after we got Wesley, my my ex lost his job. So I was the one working and he was at home taking care of the dog. So I don't remember all of this like puppy training stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I had to deal with any of it. And he was just very like good at that. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I also, it's like parenting where you just probably block out the stuff that you don't need to have resurfacing. Yeah. But, um, so anyway, uh, but other than that, no, things are good. I am looking forward to, I guess it's next weekend, mother's day, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, is it next weekend? Oh my gosh. It is. Yeah, next weekend. So May, oh, it's early. That it's early. Yeah. It's like May 8th or something. May awesome. 8th. Yeah. So it has been since November that I went on a little getaway and my mom and my aunt are going to fly out to the Boise, Idaho area to visit my cousin who lives out there. She moved there a couple of years ago and I've been wanting to visit for a long time. She loves it. It's supposed to be amazing. So we're going to do that. Just something nice to take some time away and yeah, just connect. What do you think of Mother's Day? Any plans? My mom's actually going to be in town because my son graduates from college next oh. week. Oh my wow. gosh. So the one in Utah or in uh, no, the one Temple. who's here at Temple University. So he graduates next Wednesday. So my mom's going to be in town. Uh, she'll be here Wednesday. So she's going to extend her stay. So she's here for Mother's Day. So I don't know what we'll do, but it will involve other people doing the cooking and the cleaning and <laughs> as it should, <laughs> those kinds of things. Excellent. That's fabulous. I, I don't have plans, but in my world, Mother's Day is, is better than my birthday. I feel like I don't have to share it with anybody. It's, it is, um, a, an excuse and, and completely, I don't have a lot of guilt about things that really aren't immoral. <laughs> um, but there was absolutely no guilt in any of the indulgences on Mother's Day, like just doing nothing, contributing nothing. And my family showering me like I it's, it, it's, it's the best day of the year. So I'm looking forward to that too, but I want to dive into our topic today, ladies, because I teased it this morning in my stories, uh, while I was procrastinating at the gym and I can't tell you all the feedback I got in just a really short amount of time. Today's topic is cravings. So we all get them. We all have experienced them. Um, and there's actually quite a bit, uh, they're kind of an enigma to people, I think, based on all the questions that I had come up with to, to sort of move this podcast along and then everything that came to me via the question sticker and my story. So let's start with something pretty foundational and define the difference between hunger and a craving. Kim, you want to take this one? Yeah, sure. So I think it's important to note that cravings can come along with hunger. Sometimes you can actually be physically hunger and have a craving, but cravings can also come along when you're not hungry. And that's when it's a little easier to tell the difference. So hunger, you're always going to feel in your stomach. So it's going to be an empty, hollow sensation. Maybe you'll have some grumbling and growling there. It is an actual physical sensation. And it's one I want you to start paying. If you're like, I don't even know, like, am I hungry? Am I not? Start paying attention. Like, do you feel that? It is not like I have a headache or I feel lethargic. Like hunger, you can be those things and be hungry, but hunger you will feel in your belly. When you have a craving, if you're not hungry, that feeling is absent. And all of a sudden you just want the food. That's when you can tell the difference there. Hunger Mm -hmm. also comes on gradually. You, you're not like, I'm not hungry. And all of a sudden like must eat cookies. That's not how hunger works. It kind of comes on gradually and cravings can come on literally just in an instant. They Mm -hmm. might come on situationally because look, and we've all been here, we have been at the mall and you already had a big lunch, but then you smell those Cinnabons, right? And all of a sudden like, ooh, like have to have them because the smell, or you just ate dinner and then you go to the movie theater, right? And it's like at the movies, like I eat popcorn and like, I'm, I really want the popcorn, but there's no hunger there. So it can be situational. It doesn't have to be. Sometimes you just like, have you ever been sitting at home and the TV comes on and they do that thing with a cookie commercial where they open the chocolate chip cookie of half and you see the drippy chocolate, like Mm. all of a sudden I want cookies. (laughs) I wasn't Mm -hmm. thinking about cookies before. And then the other big key to help you pick apart is this a hunger or craving is with hunger. A lot of different foods can satisfy it. Like if you're hungry, you know, there's that old like broccoli or apple test. It doesn't even have to be that dramatic. It could be like 
a sandwich or something. It could be, it doesn't have to Mm -hmm. be just broccoli or an apple, but with cravings, almost always something specific, not just like, I want food, but like, I want chips. I want cake. It's something in particular you want. Mm -hmm. So Mars, you're someone who eats pretty clean, um, dairy-free, gluten-free. Do you ever experience cravings? You know, I'll be honest, like I don't experience cravings that much anymore. And I think there are reasons why, which we will get into later in the episode, but that doesn't mean that I don't still enjoy food, but I don't have these like really intense cravings that just come out of nowhere where I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to have that thing. Like I can't get my mind off of it. And I think, you know, part of the reason is because I I have done the work over time to, you know, figure out why am I having these cravings in the first place and finding ways to manage them. So Mm -hmm. I also have not been in a calorie deficit now for more than two years. So I am very much well-fed and Mm -hmm. I eat what I want. I include foods that I enjoy so that it takes the edge off. That's what I say. Um, I learned that from one of my first mentors, Jill Coleman, she talks about cravings a lot. And she's actually who I learned the protein hot chocolate from. So, Mm. excuse me, that is something that I would always go to. Like if I was having a craving for like something like really indulgent and calorie dense, I'm like, that doesn't fit in my macros. That's not a part of my plan today. And then I would go to that. So a little bit of chocolate mixed with hot water, stevia, sea salt, like almond milk, maybe a little bit of protein. And that was enough to just, yeah, like take the edge off and curb that craving for the time being. And then I could move on to the next thing. So for me, it's never been this. Yeah. Like, Oh, the cookies, the donuts, all that. I mean, yes, I love those things, but they're just like not top of mind for me anymore. So I love that. Um, that's really interesting. And I want to circle back to that and actually talk a little bit more about, you know, how, how you've gotten to that point and how to handle those things. But let's, can we first address the fact that cravings are normal in our bodies as a result or as a response to certain things. So let's talk about what a few of those things are. Um, for me, I'll start with just one. And I think that one that is highly overlooked, um, especially if somebody is, let's say in maintenance and feels like they're hitting their macros and overall, just like crushing the nutrition and working out, but like, gosh, I want to have something sweet at the end of every meal. Have you looked at your stress? Stress can absolutely trigger cravings in a variety of ways. Um, it can be stress from not having enough sleep at night, stress from having a fight with your spouse, stress from your dog pooping in the corner on the floor when you're not expecting that chaos. All of those things can trigger a spike in glucose, a response that is very, very normal. Because if you think about it in terms of cavemen and evolution, when something set you off, you need to be on high alert and you need what you need energy. And so that is when your body is going to crave the most hyper palatable foods, because it's going to skyrocket your energy in the moment. And so it's really, it's, it's a direct result of anything that can be going on surrounding you in that moment. So stress is definitely one thing to consider before you dive into a bag of potato chips, like, okay, what triggered this feeling? And can I solve the problem another way? Um, Kim, do you have another trigger for what can make us have cravings? Yeah, absolutely. So lack of sleep is a huge one. That is a massive one. And sometimes we can do things about that by improving our sleep. And other times it's something we have to manage 
um, the lack of sleep, specifically the women I work with, women in perimenopause, sometimes there's there's periods of times where we cannot do anything about our sleep. If you're having hot flashes and you haven't gotten them under control yet, which I was there, um, it's more about managing the lack of sleep. Other times, you know, we're doing it to ourselves, we're staying up too late, those kinds of things. But if you are lacking sleep and struggling with cravings, that is a place that I would really spend some time working. That's a good one. Mars, what about you? Anything else to add there? Um, yeah, a couple of things. One, I want to go back to what you were saying, well, to both, what both of you were saying about the stress and the lack of sleep and how physiological that is. I think a lot of times when people have cravings, they almost judge themselves for it. Like, oh, I'm a bad person because I'm having this craving. I shouldn't be having this craving. And then they like white knuckle it, you know? And then when they do give in, then they feel guilty. They feel shameful, whatever the case may be. So when I am working with clients, I always like to set the precedence or just tell them like, Hey, if you have this craving, you know, it is likely because of these things, stress, lack of sleep, there something else I'll get into as well, but like be compassionate with yourself because as you were saying, Katie, this is literally a physiological response from your body. Like going back to prehistoric days when we were like in feast or famine mode, we were running from tigers, all of that. And yeah, we didn't know when we were going to get our next meal. So we are constantly um, like in this state where, because our, our brains have not caught up. So we're in this state where, okay, I'm stressed out or food is scarce, whatever, like that is going to send the signal to my brain that I need something right now. Um, so just know that like, it's not a you issue. It's not that you are bad, that you lack self-control or willpower, you know, stress and self-control are not friends. So mm. if you have those cravings, it literally is just a response from your body that you need energy and a way to, to manage that stress in the moment, because food is like, let's be honest, it's very self-soothing and it's yeah. grounding, you know, and it's not something that you really have to like go out of your way to do that is, you know, perhaps that requires a lot of activation energy, like go even sometimes even going for a walk when you're feeling really stressed out, like getting up off the couch or whatever can feel like overwhelming, but what does not is going to, to get something delicious to eat that you can just kind of, you know, relax into. Um, so those are just one thing I wanted to say about, you know, releasing the judgment if you have the cravings or if you give into them. Um, and then the other thing would just be overall restriction. So in two ways, one, are you eating too few calories? Because that also is going to send that signal to your body that you're not getting enough. That's going to increase the cravings. And then are you restricting foods in general? So are you trying to keep certain foods off limits because you don't trust yourself around them because you think that they're bad, whatever the case may be. And it's, I'm sure you guys have heard it like, oh, don't think of a pink elephant. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to think of the pink elephant. Mm -hmm. So if you're putting all these foods off limits or putting them on a pedestal, uh, then the, your desire for them is going to increase. So Katie, when you were asking me, like, do I have cravings? Well, no, not really, because I know those foods are available to me at any time and, and I can choose to have them like if I want. And so it just kind of like takes the desire away. And then when I do eat, I make sure that it's including the foods that, that I like. So I don't feel, so I feel satisfied. I like that. And alongside with including the foods you like, I think making sure that you have a balanced plate is really important. 
all carb meals can really lead to a glucose spike and, and cravings down the road. If you're having a plate of macaroni and cheese and there's no fiber or protein, your body is going to take all the glucose from all those carbs and, and uptake it really fast. And then you're going to get a crash. And so you just consumed all of these great calories, but your body couldn't process them as fast as you consume them, which means they could possibly get stored. If you're not somebody who has a lot of muscle on the frame or somebody who's a relatively active person. But aside from that, it's going to lead to a crash and make you hungrier later. What you can do is add a little protein, add a little fiber, um, and that will help that, that balance right there will absolutely help your body slow down digestion a little bit and not cause that same, you know, high, low triggered response. So, um, you know, that's one way to, to handle a craving when it comes to like what you're putting on your plate, just making sure it's really balanced. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. want to. Oh, oh, ahead, can Kim. I say something there? I would love along that. with that, I would say two things. One, on the other hand, if you're too low on carbs, like don't think carbs are bad here. That's not what Katie yes. was saying. Like if you're, you. if you really are restricting carbs, a lot of times you'll have really intense cravings for carbs. Um, and then two, just because you're doing what Katie said, which is like adding some protein or some fat or some fiber. Absolutely. I agree with that. You don't have to add it to the thing. It's not like you have to take your cookie and turn it into a protein cookie or a high fiber cookie. You could have the dang cookie you want if it's chips ahoy and then have some, you know, protein and fiber on the side. It could be different objects. Don't feel like you have to healthify the actual thing you want. Sometimes that actually backfires because what Mm. you really wanted was a chips ahoy. And then you made like high protein cookies or like you put yogurt on your cookie. And now you're like, I still didn't get the cookie. Yes. I think that that is such an excellent point because there are, I let me know if you guys have seen these, there are infographics out there that are like, you're craving potato chips. You are lacking potassium. You should have a banana. Now that's just that I pulled that out of the air. I don't know if that's one. That no, it so says. There was one I, I posted. Oh gosh, I couldn't find it. I was actually looking for it this morning, but it was so long ago. Um, I posted it cause I was laughing. It said, if I was, I think it was chocolate. If you're craving chocolate, you need to eat rabbit. And I'm like, first of all, Whoa. Where, what? <laughs> where am I getting a rabbit? Like there's just, <laughs> there was like three options. One of the rabbit. I'm like, I wouldn't even know where to get rabbit. Um, or whoa, 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 let me just quick run to the store and get some rabbit. <laughs> and second, like there is not any evidence behind the fact, like we kind of have this idea. That's really a prominent idea that you're missing certain um, micronutrients if you're craving certain things. And there, at this point, we don't have any evidence to support that. It's just kind of this wonky idea out there and they can get pretty crazy. And what often happens if you do, let's just say it's a more normal one, you're craving chocolate. And what did you say, Katie? What did you say you have? Uh, potato chips to have, a, and you need a banana or something right, weird right. like that. Often when times when people go that route, they end up eating the banana and still not feeling satisfied. And then they eat the next thing and the next thing. And eventually <laughs> they still eat the chips, but yep. now they've had like 700 other calories trying to not eat the chips. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my, I mean, my suggestion is if you're somebody who really likes something sweet after a meal, or you feel like, gosh, I'm not satisfied, include that thing in the meal. So Marcy, you mm-hmm. suggested the protein hot chocolate, but it can be a regular chocolate chip cookie. Like for the love, just put it on your plate with the rest of your food and enjoy it with your sandwich and with your hummus and hummus and carrots or whatever your meal looks like and try having it as part of the meal instead of saying, no, I don't need it. No, I don't need it. And by the time, you know, two hours go by and you've been white knuckling it for so long, instead of having that one cookie with all that other food, now you're going to have five, right? So Kim, that sort of piggybacks yeah. on what you were saying. That's well, a really good suggestion, two, I think- Katie. And it's, it's also, not the oh, only suggestion. There's really good options. Like you could be a person who's like, you know what? I really like to have sweet and I want to keep doing that. And so add the cookie. 
You also might be somebody who's like, I still feel like it's hampering my ability to lose weight that after every meal I need, and I'm putting that, I'm putting that in air quotes to have the cookie. And in that case you could work. Cause it, a lot of times that is just, frankly, it's habitual, right? There's mm -hmm. nothing physiological about, I must have the chocolate after dinner. So that could be a time you could decide, I want to start practicing a different habit and you could go that route. Both of them can work. Yeah. I'll, I'm just going to share something personal experience here. So I think I talked a couple well, early in March, I had to do this elimination diet. I had some food sensitivities and the things that I was sensitive to were all of the things that allowed me to curb my cravings. <laughs> so, um, caffeine almond, cause I would make like a frothy almond milk or a matcha, or again, like the protein, hot chocolate, um, something like that, cocoa powder, coconut, everything that I was using was like off the table. <clears throat> so I was forced to like what I call dopamine fast because those are dopamine hits in a way too. And, and just kind of like, yeah, sit with though that, that desire to want that thing. And it's interesting, like the first couple of days, you know, it was on my mind and it was challenging, but as time has gone on, the cravings for those things have really dissipated and I don't feel the desire anymore. Um, so that Marcy, can I ask you a question about yeah. that? Because actually one of our listeners submitted this question and I'd love to kind of talk a little bit more about how you got from like point A to point B. She wrote, I get cravings for sweets and I find it hard to honor my fullness because I want more any advice. So take us back to that point when you were like, gosh, I, okay. So no more, no more, whatever the sweet thing is, mm -hmm. how did you get from point A to point B? Well, I mean, part of it was out of necessity. Like I had to do it and mm -hmm. I had a very strong why. So mm -hmm. I, the why. you know, I think it's the why. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. I mean, Kim, I'm sure you can relate. Like you had those food sensitivities too, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, you weren't supposed to be eating certain things and the chocolate was one of them, right? Yeah. So I didn't really easy. Like, oh, I really, it was like I really want that chocolate. Weeks. Yeah. I really want that chocolate. Like, oh, it's not going to matter. No big deal. And I was like, no, I have things that I want to improve and it is worth it to me to, to keep myself accountable to that. Um, and then also like it's the practice kind of like you were saying, Kim, you know, it becomes very habitual, not necessarily physiological. And so just like one sitting in that discomfort and knowing that you are more powerful than it. And the other thing, cravings, just like hunger come and go in waves. So something called like, um, temptation surfing or surfing the urge is what they call it. So you feel the craving start to come and, you know, you notice it and you're like, Oh, I really want that thing. And then if you can just give yourself like five, 10 minutes, practice that pause between the urge and like the immediate reaction, you will realize that the craving starts to dissipate. And then maybe you do need to put something in between that, like going for a walk. Um, I posted in stories yesterday that I was drinking like licorice root tea in the afternoon. And that is something that can kind of like curb a craving as well. I find like licorice tea, ginger tea, cause it is a little sweet. So yeah, maybe you just need to put something in between to like get you through. And then over time, it's going to just like lessen and lessen. And now you look no longer have that habit. 
I think too, taking a minute also to consider what is going outside the craving. I'm a big fan of determining root causes of things. And so, yes, all of these little practices are really important to have in the moment and apply, but also like while you're taking those five minutes or while you're taking a walk, what just happened that made you want that craving? Are you in a deficit and you just had a meal that was not at all satisfying? Did you just have a fight with your mother? Uh, with, do, are you coming off a really bad night of sleep? And so it's four in the air, it's three in the afternoon. And, and like you had a snack, but it wasn't enough. Like what else is going on? And can you pinpoint what could have triggered that craving and solve for that instead of necessary or solve for that next time? Right. Because it's not so much about what happens in the moment. It's about how you pick up and move on and learn from that. Uh, and so I think kind of really figuring out where it stems from and seeing if you can work on that can be really helpful too. Yeah. So I'm going to ask another question that I got from a listener. Um, Kim, I get them a lot when I'm bored or stressed. Why do they come on then? So I actually look at that a little bit differently than just straight up cravings. Like that's emotional eating and cravings can be emotional eating, but they can also, like I said, be situational. Like I smell Cinnabon, right? And so now I want Cinnabon. Um, with the board and the stress, like you really have to do some work to solve for the board and the stress. And some of that is more longer term work to figure out like, okay, why am I so bored all the time? Like, do I not have a lot of fulfilling things in my life? Do I not like my job? Like there's like the bigger picture stuff. And then there's the smaller picture stuff, like plan ahead. What will I do? First of all, is it important? It's sometimes it's fine to give into your cravings, but if they're keeping you from achieving your goals, if they're keeping you from actually, if you're self-medicating with them, like I am bored and stressed with my job or whatever it is, and you never address those things and you just feed yourself, it's keeping you from actually solving for those things. So look and see if it involves one of those things, I think it's worth tackling. Um, and so what I would say with those things, know it's going to take time, know it's going to take practice, look at the big picture stuff, and then really make a plan for those smaller things. Okay. Like if I am bored, what will I do? I'm going to, one, I'm going to start looking for something in the evenings that I'm not bored. Like, do I need a new hobby? Do mm -hmm. I need to meet people? Um, if I'm feeling bored and like, I know there's cookies in the cupboard, I'm going to, what will my plan be? If this, then that. I will go upstairs and do a puzzle in my bedroom. Like, so really get to that micro level of what will you do and also really start solving for the bigger picture. And we're often trying to we're trying to solve boredom and stress with food and it doesn't work that way, except in the really short term eating popcorn mm. because you're stressed is not going to fix your stress, except for those few minutes when you're eating the popcorn, when you're done, you still have the source of the stress there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great answers. Uh, so Mars, I'm going to throw a question that we received to you. Why do I have more cravings on harder workout days? I mean, I have, gosh, I think just because you're expending more total energy. So, I mean, it's hard to say that would be my go-to response and asking yourself, like, are you properly fueling during those times? So making sure that your pre-workout nutrition and your post-workout nutrition is on point. So when I'm having enough carbs, enough protein before my workout, I'm re refueling after the workout, that would be my go-to pretty mm -hmm. cut and dry. I would say to consider what is your workout? If you are trying to, to tackle a hit workout three or four days a week, maybe consider switching um, one or two or three of those to a list workout. 
I mean, they both can achieve the same thing, but you are going to be much more stressed and much hungrier after a series of HIIT workouts in your week versus some longer walks. So that that's something I would just consider what is the workout you're doing. Kim, do you have anything to add on that? No, I think those are, I think those are good ones. That one's not one I actually hear a lot. I don't hear a ton about people craving more on workout days. I hear a ton about people being hungrier on workout yeah. days. Yeah. And what I would say in that situation is consider calorie cycling and consider having more calories on your workout days, consider having more carbs on your workout days, possibly even, um, we got to fuel ourselves. Well, ladies, like if you want to be training hard, you have to fuel well. So speaking of fueling, I'm going to throw this question back out, Kim, to you. This person writes long periods of time necessary on the computer for work, frequent urge to nibble, graze, popcorn, nuts, peanuts, that type of thing. Um, 10 minute move breaks don't help. I can't take any longer time how to, how to manage that. All right. So a couple of things come to mind hearing what you say there. One, because of the variety of things we're talking about there, I wouldn't necessarily say it's craving. Like I said, usually craving is for like a specific thing, right? Mm -hmm. This sounds more like emotional eating. And then you brought up the part where like long periods of time must be at my desk. Can't take mm -hmm. longer breaks. That sounds like a high stress kind of situation, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it could be a couple of things that you might address there. One, is it just habitual? Like you found that like when you sit at your desk, I used to be this way. When you sit at your desk, you want to munch and nibble. It could, could just be a habit that you need to work on changing. Two, mm -hmm. is it a response to stress? Like, are you procrastinating? Like I, this is one of my big triggers and I know it. When I start like get something like maybe I'm writing something and I kind of get stuck, I immediately want a snack. Like mm -hmm. I just do. And what it really is, when I feel that now, I know like that's a sign I need a break. Like I am having a sticking point here. So I need a break. And you're saying like, I want to nibble. Well, maybe you don't need to go take 20 minutes, but maybe take two minutes to like lay on the floor and take some deep breaths to go pet your dog. It doesn't have to be a long period of time, but when you sense that feeling of, I want peanuts, popcorn, crackers, instead of taking the time to go get those, take the time to do something else. If you're not hungry, because is she, is she, did she mention anything about like how she's eating? I feel like I read this one and she talked about she was eating well. Yes. Yeah, she said that I eat small protein breakfast, even though I'm not usually hungry and a decent dinner and a leftover lunch. Got it. So if you're eating enough calories, that's awesome. Um, you said a small protein breakfast. Maybe you need like better food at breakfast. Maybe your breakfast is too small and it's just mm -hmm. protein and that's not satisfying you. Like get some carbs, yeah. get some fats, get some fibers to so make sure you have not just a small, guys, I think there's no such thing as like breakfast is the most important time of the day. But if you're eating a small breakfast and then you're struggling with wanting to snack all day, that would be an area to look at. Like, let's get you more satisfied earlier in the day. Um, mm -hmm. But really looking at like, okay, when I sense I just want popcorn, like, is there something you're struggling with with work? Like you have a certain problem that you're working on that's hard for you. What you might need is a mental break, not mm -hmm. nuts and popcorn. Yeah, if, I mean, it, hunger may not be the problem there. Yeah. Um, I, I agree sometimes. Uh, okay, Marcy, I'm going to throw this last one back to you and, and kind of combine two questions that came from to a couple of your um, listeners craving. Okay. Uh, cravings can be heightened in a, this is more just like a statement. Somebody made cravings can be heightened in a deficit. Things taste better than usual, overeat, then feel sick. And then it moves on to the next question, which is, do I eat a little in a deficit and open the gateway to a binge or avoid it altogether? Again, in the context of trying to maintain a deficit. Mm. And I almost think it's like a know thyself type of situation. And 
you know, there are people who are abstainer, abstainers and there are people who are moderators and some people just do better totally abstaining and they're okay with that. Um, I learned this concept from a woman named Gretchen Rubin, who is kind of like a self-help guru, I guess. She's written many books on personality types and something like that. And so, yeah, she classifies people as abstainers versus moderators. She herself is an abstainer. So she's like, I eat a low carb diet because I know that I love potatoes or excuse me, French fries. And I cannot stop myself eating the French fries. Like it's Mm -hmm. just easier for my brain um, to not even have to like go through that mental drama. Like, should I have it? Should I not? I don't think that is the best approach for most people, especially someone who might have a not so great relationship with food. Um, so perhaps someone like who is not super food focused, like the abstainer versus moderator would be a better approach. But I think for most people, it is allowing yourself to have it because like I was saying earlier, the more we restrict in one direction, the harder, like the rebound is on the, or the greater the rebound is in the opposite direction. Um, and that is what leads to those binges. So I would say, allow yourself to have something and just know that you might not get it right the first time. It might lead to a binge, but you have to keep practicing. The only way you are going to get better is if you put the, yourself in those situations. Um, and then also it's like the language that you use, you know, is your mindset. So if you believe like every time I have a little bit, it opens the floodgates. Well, that's becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy. So start using different language, start thinking differently about yourself. And that's another thing. Like a lot of people say, I have no self-control. I have no willpower. I'm not disciplined. I'm like, well, there are plenty of places in your life where you are those things. So why don't you look to that as creating evidence that in certain areas of my life, I can apply that willpower, that discipline, and I can do the same thing with my food. Um, So it might not happen overnight, but yeah, the the more you can practice positive self-talk, you can reframe your mindset, and then you can put yourself in that uncomfortable position to, to practice. I think the better you are going to get. Cause I used to be this person. I used to be this person for sure. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, I'm only going to have a handful. I'm only going to have a bite. And the next thing, you know, half the jar of peanut butter was gone. Right. Well, and and like, let's be honest. Some of these foods that people overconsume are the hyper palatable ones that are like engineered for us for overconsumption, right? Like absolutely. that's why you can't just have one potato chip. Um, that's why people go from, oh, I'll have three Oreos. I'll have one serving to the sleeve being gone. These things were created for overconsumption by these companies, by these food marketers. So if you're someone who feels like it's a slippery slope and it's just real, real easy, consider less processed treats Mm -hmm. that could possibly be a start that could possibly help you put the brakes on a little bit easier. And if you do want something highly processed, let's say you're that person who's like, God, I love grocery store sheet cake. Okay. Like as processed as it comes, maybe it's not special for one person, but for someone else, it's their favorite thing. Have it with your meal. Don't like fast and then have it, you know, for breakfast the next morning, that's probably going to set you up for a much harder day. Well, and, and same thing, like don't have it when you're in a really stressed out state yes. because don't wait to have going, it late at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it, it's, it's going to, if you're already stressed, like we were saying earlier, now your brain wants that quick hit of energy. So it's like a double whammy one, you're eating these hyper palatable foods, which like override the pleasure center in your brain. And then you're also stressed out. So your body's telling you like more, 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 I need this energy and it's going to be really 
difficult to stop. But if you are eating a well-balanced meal, so now you're filled up with the protein, with the fiber, you're feeling a little bit satisfied, and then you have something a little sweet, then I think that you're not going to want to continue having as much. And you're already kind of like, yeah, sending that signal to your stomach and to your, I keep using the brain, but it's very, it's very powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, Hey, I've had enough. I'm good. And yeah, it's going to be easier to, to manage all that. I think awareness is so key with all of this, being aware of what your triggers are um, for cravings, being aware of how you typically respond, being aware of the role of hyperpalatable food, like just knowing all of these things and Mm -hmm. really being conscious of them can help so much to move you forward to not, um, indulging your cravings all the time. And again, it's okay to indulge your cravings. Sometimes you don't always have to be like, I can't eat any food I'm craving. Like sometimes you can, you absolutely can. It depends on your goals. It depends on the situation. Um, I really liked what Marcy was driving home there. This idea of how we talk about ourselves, like being a person who's constantly saying like, I have to have chocolate with every meal. Like I can't stop eating the chips. Like I always like that kind of talk is going to do exactly what she said and lead you to do those things. And so even just being aware of how you talk about these things and think about them is in a massive first step. Oh, sorry. I just going to say one more thing. I think circumstances are really important as well. So let's say that you're really having a craving for ice cream. Well, you'll probably be able to better control yourself. If you go out and you get that ice cream and you have Mm. like one single cone and you do it with your spouse or with your friends, you're in the moment, you're present, you're enjoying, you're connecting. So I think that is going to be very different, like honoring a craving in that way, rather than honoring the craving when you're by yourself and you're stressed out. And, you know, that's the only thing that you can think to do to comfort yourself. I think that's where it becomes a slippery slope where, you know, you kind of, um, oh, what's that phrase? Like you open the floodgates, you know? I think that's a great way to close ladies awareness. If you take nothing else away from this, have some awareness in the moment before you make that next decision. And there is no right or wrong. You can have the cookie. You can avoid the cookie. If you have all the cookies, it's still okay. But a level of awareness is really going to help you understand your why and learn from anything that you wish didn't happen. So today, I hope we hope you enjoy the cookie or whatever it is for you. And, uh, anything else, ladies? No, I think that's it. Uh, the only thing I'll add, we kind of, we just, the conversation didn't go here and it, everything we've already talked about absolutely applies. And that is one of the other times we typically crave is in the week leading up to our period. Right. And Mm. even being just aware of that can really be useful. Like knowing Mm. you guys know, I know you guys know what I'm talking about. Like sometimes like Mm. once your period starts and you're like, Oh, like, there, that's that's why. why I was so grumpy. That's why I was craving things. And it just feels better knowing like you're not insane, right? Like what happened to me? And so starting to predict when that's about to happen can be super useful, especially people who are trying to lose weight, being able to predict like, you know, this time of the month, like I typically have cravings. Here is my plan for them. Mm-hmm. I know it gets really dicey when you're in perimenopause because we just have it's so hard to predict, but keeping track of your cycle and track of your your cluster of symptoms that typically come around that Mm -hmm. PMS time, even when you're not in any predictable pattern can help because then you can look at the whole host of clusters and be like, oh, like 
I'm snapping at people for no reason and I'm feeling really extra tired and I'm feeling kind of weepy and I'm craving things, I'm likely about to have my cycle. Okay, now how do I want to handle it? And a lot of times for me, the answer is just get some more sleep, like go to heck to bed. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of other ways to handle, but anyway, I just want to acknowledge we hadn't talked about that one, but everything we talked about here today applies to it. Absolutely. Considering what is going on outside the craving really, really sort of is an umbrella to, to everything we talked about today. So Kim, thank you for adding that super relevant. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Thank you so much for all your questions and we will look forward to chatting again next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. If you liked this, if it was helpful for you, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review wherever you're listening. It really does help our work get in front of more people. Thanks so much for being here with you and we'll see you again next week.